What a fantastic Easter reading. Good morning, everyone. Um, Please do keep uh, John chapter 20 open. We will be looking at it uh, this morning. Shall we bow our heads for a short prayer? Almighty and eternal Father, please open our eyes that we will see wonderful things from your law. Amen. Charles III, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, of his other realms and territories, King, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith. Thus reads the royal style, and King Charles's reign has started, and the coronation approaches. When Jesus left heaven and came to earth as a man, he established his kingdom. And Jesus' resurrection and his ascension confirms his kingship. Uh, John chapter 20 shows how the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. It teaches about Jesus' wonderful kingdom. So I hope that we too today will be rejoicing in the reality of Jesus' kingdom. And today we'll be considering some implications of Jesus' kingdom. Firstly, we'll consider its gracious salvation. Uh, Secondly, we'll be thinking about its challenging mission. And thirdly, we'll be thinking about the call to obedience. But let's get cracking, and with the disciples, let's rejoice in the reality of Jesus' kingdom. One of the main themes of John's gospel is about witness. And verses 30 and 31 are often seen as a statement, a summary statement of John's gospel. Do please uh, glance down with me to verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. However, of course, in verse 19, we're reminded that the disciples were very far convinced from being convinced of the reality of Jesus' kingdom. They had the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. But wonderfully, the Lord Jesus, the risen king, came personally to his friends. Uh, Verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus, Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus' resurrection is real. And as verses 19 to 23 describe, when Jesus came to his disciples, he stood among his friends. He spoke with them 
And they saw him. They saw the marks and the wounds of the cross on his hands, on his side. And of course, in that second resurrection appearance, from verses 24 to 29, a week later when Thomas was there too, again Jesus stood. He spoke with them. And doubting Thomas saw Jesus for himself. These are just two of the 11 different resurrection appearances which the Bible records for us. And I'm sure you can think of others. Um, Jesus appearing to Mary. Jesus appearing on the road to Emmaus, for instance. Jesus' resurrection is real. Jesus' kingdom is real. But in this locked room, there was no St. Edward's crown, no confessor's throne, no sovereign's scepter, no earl marshal, no mitred bishops, no ermined peers. But the risen Jesus was there, standing among his friends. And he was bearing the marks of the cross. No wonder then that the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. No wonder then that doubting Thomas was convinced, my Lord and my God, he said. This wasn't reality TV, but the reality of Jesus' kingdom. Meeting the risen Jesus transformed them. Fearful friends and doubting Thomas became faithful apostles and obedient subjects. They rejoiced in the reality of Jesus' kingdom. And so can we. So consequently then, what does Jesus' kingdom bring? Well, firstly, Jesus' kingdom brings gracious salvation. It brings a challenging mission, and it brings a call to obedience. Well, firstly, Jesus' kingdom brings gracious salvation. And these verses suggest there are three aspects, wonderful aspects, of Jesus' gracious salvation. Peace, forgiveness, and life. Jesus' salvation brings peace. Please look down with me again to verse 19. Jesus said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Peace be with you. Uh, Repeated for the disciples, repeated for Thomas, repeated for us. Peace with God the Father through the wounds of the risen King. Um, You may have heard of the wonderful Bible Speaks Today series. Well, Bruce Milne describes this peace brilliantly. And so I hope you don't mind if I quote. Peace be with you. Shalom. The familiar Hebrew greeting is considerably richer notion than the mere absence of stress, which tends to be our understanding of peace today. In its Old Testament context, shalom basically means well-being in its fullest sense. It gathers up all the blessings of the kingdom of God. 
Shalom is life at its best under the gracious hand of God. Jesus' use of it on that Easter evening therefore represents the first truly authentic bestowal of shalom in the history of the world. Precisely because he has brought the kingdom of God into realization by his death and rising. Now and only now is shalom a realizable blessing. Gracious salvation means peace, peace with God. Uh, Gracious salvation means forgiveness. Um, A glance down at verse 23 will make that clear. Uh, Forgiveness is at the heart of Jesus' salvation. It's repeated four times, isn't it, in, in that verse. And indeed, at the start of John's gospel, John the Baptist says, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Gracious salvation means forgiveness. So gracious salvation means peace, peace with God. It means forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins. And gracious salvation means life. Please look down to verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus often taught about eternal life, but his gracious salvation means that we can share with his eternal life. So gracious salvation, it means peace, forgiveness, and life. And in verse 27, Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And what about us? Do we believe that Jesus is Lord and God? Have we asked for Jesus' forgiveness? If so, rejoice. Jesus is your salvation. He brings peace and reconciliation. Rejoice in forgiveness and redemption. Rejoice in eternal life to come. With the disciples, we can rejoice. Uh, Perhaps we still have questions. Maybe we're thinking things through. If so, there's an invitation for us this morning. Uh, Not written in calligraphy on a smart card from the palace. But can we hear Jesus' voice? Can we hear his words of forgiveness, his words of life? Will you consider accepting Jesus' gracious salvation for yourself? So firstly, Jesus' kingdom means gracious salvation. It means peace, forgiveness, and life. Secondly, Jesus' kingdom brings a challenging mission. And this is a challenging mission for Jesus' people to share the good news, the gospel of the risen king, and to share that gospel of his gracious salvation. Let's read verse 21 together. Jesus said, Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. What a wonderful message. How encouraging. How Trinitarian too. Being sent by God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I am sending you, said the risen Jesus. Church tradition teaches that doubting Thomas became transformed Thomas. God sent him to India to proclaim Jesus' kingdom, to proclaim his gracious salvation. And there Thomas suffered, and he was martyred for his risen king. This week, um, Open Doors, you may know the organization which works with the persecuted church. The Open Doors Prayer Diary has focused on persecuted Christians in China. And yesterday, we were praying for a young man known as Lewis. Lewis comes from a Buddhist heritage. And despite hostility at home and at school, he has been sent by God to witness to his classmates and to his teachers. And what is extraordinary is that Lewis, in his frailty and weakness, has led them to the risen king. Even some of his teachers have started becoming followers of Jesus. He's been sent by the risen Lord. How about us? I don't know about you, but when I'm faced by examples like Thomas and Lewis, I'm struck by my lack of prayerfulness, my lack of urgency in sharing the glorious gospel of Jesus' gracious salvation. Perhaps you may feel similarly. However, as verse 22 reminds us, the Holy Spirit strengthens us to be Jesus' witnesses. So who should we be praying for? Who can we serve? Uh, Who can we host generously? How can we serve as Jesus' witnesses? Jesus' kingdom brings a challenging mission. So firstly, Jesus' kingdom brings gracious salvation. Secondly, it brings a challenging mission. Thirdly, and briefly, Jesus' kingdom brings a call to obedience. Did you notice how in our reading, Jesus is referred to as Lord on three separate occasions? And in verse 31, he's called the Messiah, also known as the Christ, which means God's anointed king. Verse 31 also says it makes it clear that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God. And all of these wonderful titles echo Jesus' words in the Great Commission when the risen Lord Jesus appears to his apostles again and says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus' kingdom brings a call to obedience, a call for his people, a call for this world to obey the risen king. 
And Jesus is consistent on the importance of his word. Uh, He says earlier in John's gospel, if you love me, keep my commands. Some years after the Duke of Wellington's military career, he became prime minister. And after his first cabinet minister as prime minister, he complained that it was, quote, an extraordinary affair. I gave them their orders and they wanted to stay and discuss them. Well, the risen Jesus is not like an impatient old soldier. But he is the risen king. Jesus' kingdom brings a call, a call to obedience. So what does that mean to us? Well, the challenges will, of course, be different. They'll be personal for each of us. There's a call against sin, a call for holy living. At one level, are we going to obey the speed limit? How will we spend our time? How will we use our money? How will we treat other people? How will we talk to them, to their face or behind their back? How closely will we follow the Lord Jesus' sacrificial example? Who will we allow to influence what we think and do and our views? We should respect the 10 o'clock news. We should enjoy the Today programme. We can enjoy reading the Times leader and the Guardian editorial. We can admire Gary Lineker and TV broadcasters. We can listen, if this is your thing, to social media or even watch TikTok films. But we are called to obey the risen king. And not what society thinks. This is not, it's not easy. Please believe me. I'm preaching to myself too. (laughs) But Jesus' kingdom brings a call to obedience. Gracious salvation, a challenging mission, a call to obedience. This morning, we've been considering the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Like the disciples, we can rejoice in the reality of Jesus' kingdom. He is Lord. He is God. And he lovingly and graciously pours out peace. We've been thinking about the implications of Jesus' kingdom. It's gracious salvation. It's challenging mission. And it's call to obedience. Let's have a few minutes of private personal prayer and then I'll close together.